Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you, my friend? How are you, my friend? Welcome. This is the Breakfast with Champions podcast, one of the most unique, amazing, and powerful podcasts you'll ever come across in your entire life. Listen, we bring you motivation, education, and inspiration, and ultimately give you an opportunity to get a seat at the table, to hang out with some of those that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. What makes this podcast so unique and incredible is we have over a hundred different thought leaders that are constantly delivering amazing, over-the-top, powerful, and impactful content in bite-sized nuggets that you can absorb, take action on, and implement in your life. So with that said, make sure you filter through. There's going to be some of these thought leaders, these experts in their industries that you're ultimately gonna connect with. You're gonna totally, totally resonate. It's gonna totally be your vibe. And then there's gonna be other ones that you're gonna be like, eh, you know what? I like them, but I don't know if I love them. And that's what's great about Breakfast with Champions is we have something for everyone. So make sure you sift through, find the ones that you love, and know that they'll be coming back every single week to be able to deliver to you the motivation and education and inspiration that you need. With that said, my name is Glenn Lundy. I am your host. Super excited to connect with you. And let's kick off today's episode of Breakfast with Champions. Because this is my segment on love, y'all, because I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, that love is the greatest frequency, the greatest vibration within which we can be in. And if we can all learn to love each other freely, it's the closest that we can be to God. Why? Because love, God is love. And so the champion that I'm going to be interviewing today, really pouring into and learning a little bit more about is someone that you guys, I'm so excited because I'm really honestly, truly excited to get to know her so much more and learn some of the things I didn't know about her and hopefully of many things that you guys don't know as well. And then afterwards, we'll all be able to pour in and love freely on our sister as she stays on mute, not allowed to say anything, and simply just receives the love that is being freely given to her. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it is with my great pleasure that I introduce this week's champion, Miss Sarah McCord. What's up, Sarah? How are you? Oh my gosh. Good morning, Alexander. Can you just introduce me everywhere I go? I just, I just adore you. I love the energy you bring to the stage. I'm super excited. Yeah. I haven't even like talked about you yet, girl. And for those of you that don't know, in case maybe you're new to Breakfast of Champions today, Sarah McCord is literally uh, the glue that keeps our family together. She is in charge of programming. She is in charge of really taking what we're offering to you guys to the next level. And there's very few people that you will find that are as organized, as talented, as just genuinely kind, loving, compassionate, but also a stellar human being that actually can accomplish anything she sets her mind to. I got to know, oh, Sarah. When did you know that you were a little different, that you had a little extra skills of getting some things done? For example, pulling off an in-person event in like two weeks or something with everything that could fall apart but didn't because no one even knew. When did you know that you actually had this gift 
And when did you decide that, hey, I'm going to put this to use and I'm going to really create something with it? Oh, my goodness. As I said, you're too kind. Um, gosh, you know, I think what I would say. So um, I've shared once before the story of when I started my communications firm in 2017. Um, a media company had approached me. They'd been B2C to date and they had approached me to build out the B2B um, content arm of their company. And I was super excited about it. And I gone through this like extensive interview process and um, I was like the candidate. We were in like the final stages. I was like, this is happening. This is going to be like the moment in my career. I get to build this out the whole business and business arm of this company. It's going to be next level media. Like I can't wait. Um, and then I got hit with the salary offer and it literally would just cover childcare. And I was like, that's not going to fly. And I, and I went back to them and I was kind of like, y'all, like, I know you're a startup, but like, this is not, this is not going to work. And, um, we really had some intense negotiations. And at the same time, um, a VP of, a, a fortune 100 who had edited for approached me with a project. And he asked me if I had my own firm, because he was like, listen, we have this six months six month project. It's going to be like 10 hours a week. Um, here's what we're thinking of paying for it. And like, if you, you know, have your own consulting firm, like we would love to have you head up this project. And let me tell you that 10 hours a week for six months working on this ad hoc project was going to pay me the same as 30 hours a week for the next year um, with this startup. And it was a no brainer. I basically said to myself, if I can't build a communications firm with the extra 20 to 30 hours a week um, over the next six months, and I don't deserve to have my own firm. So they said, he'd asked me, do you have your own firm? I went on legal zoom. <laughs> I hit up one of my girls who had her own firm for, for some contracts. I didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, yes, I do. I do have my own firm. Let's go. Let's do this. Um, because I knew that I could do the project that he'd laid out for me. Um, and so that was probably the first time that I bet on myself. And then as far as the event coming together, I don't even know that I knew that I could do that. Um, Glenn Lundy would tell you that I probably called him up like twice today crying, like, what are we doing? But it was an amazing, amazing uh, feeling pulling it off. And I could not have done it without all of the incredible Breakfast of Champions community and moderators who just all stepped up and are like the greatest people ever. Back to you, Alexander. Yes, I love that. Okay, so again, your whole business, everything was kind of started off the cuff. Now, obviously, you have a skill set. You've been in the industry. Do you find that you work really well, kind of put under that sort of pressure, like, hey, do you have a company? Hey, do you have a company? Yes, I have a company. Here, let's go. Let's do it. And and what's kind of in you? What's that chutzpah within you that allows you to jump without a parachute and really trust in yourself? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's such a good question. So. I know that we've spoken personally um, a little bit about my personal story, which is that my oldest um, passed away at 19 days old. It was actually just his birthday this past week. And I think that when we survive things in life that are unimaginable, when we find that strength within ourselves on a personal level to say like, I'm still here for a reason, I'm gonna continue, waking up every morning, I'm going to, you know, use like, I'm just going to dig in like, so 
when our son passed away, we made him two promises that we would stay good people and that we would stay good parents. Those were the two promises that we made. And on the hardest days, it was like, I don't care if we order in all the food, if the house is a mess, like if we hold true to those two promises, that's all I have to do in this life. And the reason why I'm sharing that is because I think that sometimes, um, in life, when we think that um, a scary career move is the scariest thing, um, it's because we don't have the perspective that that's a luxury. It's a luxury for something daring in your career to be what's keeping you up at night. That's a gift in this world. And so I think that, you know, so many of the people who we hear on the stage who move us with what they've done in this life, it's because they've been through something profound personally. They've had to find that strength within themselves. And it's like, um, once you are through like the hardest stuff, cause I won't swear on this stage, um, personally, then when you see something and it's, it's just a professional challenge, you're like, you know what? I've, I've been through the fire. I'll find a way to do this. I found my way through the fire. I can find my way through this. If I'm speaking. Wow. And, and, you know, it's funny because, uh, I, obviously I know your story. Uh, I consider you a personal friend in real life, even though we've yet to hug soul to soul, heart to heart. Um, but I can't wait for that moment. Um, and I wasn't gonna, you know, necessarily go there, but I'm so happy that I did. I was, you know, I'm happy that you went there. You know what I'm saying? And that you found the space to share at the most appropriate time, because the lesson that you just dropped for all of us to hear I think is something that oftentimes stops us from always achieving our greatness, stops us from really going for, you know, all the potential that God has for us because we think these things are so big and hairy and scary. And the reality is that is a luxury to feel that way. And when I heard 50 Cent say, uh, you know, he, uh, you know, I got to be at a conference that he was at and he said that it's a luxury to have, um, to be depressed. Depression is a luxury. It really put things into perspective. And you just kind of compounded that, that there's many things that are a luxury that we get to do, but we shouldn't really uh, stop them from allowing us to achieve all the greatness that we have. And I have to tell you this, Sarah, you've kept your promises. And I know that your son is looking from down from above down below knowing that you've kept those promises because I've been lucky enough to be on the phone with you when you're dealing with your children and children aren't perfect and they don't always do what we want when we're on the phone, especially, and you have such grace and such a calming energy and yet you're firm and strict and you have healthy boundaries. And I'm just in all of you every single time I get to know more of you. And I'm so sorry for your loss, but I'm so happy that you're living up to the promises that you made to your son. And uh, I mean, I'm just flabbergasted by you. Truly, like you're just so cool. Talk to me about Sarah as a child. Uh, you know, what was life growing up? Mom and dad, siblings, what do you got? Good relationships, close relationships, distant relationships. Like, what is that relationship like? Well, first of all, choke me up a little bit over here. Um, so Sarah's child is a super nerd. Like, raise your hand if you're surprised. No one. No one is flashing their mics. No one is surprised. Um, yeah, um, my dad is a dentist. Um my mom is an abstract artist and a hippie. Um, my, I have an older brother. Um, he's four years older than me. He's still really angry that I ruined his dream of being an only child. Um, <laughs> we're closer in our, in our adult life for sure. I mean, I was just a bookworm. I really, um, I just always had my head in a book. Um, 
I was a definite perfectionist. I actually feel like I'm going through Amelia's like genius key assessment right now where I had to like really lay everything, lay everything out from my childhood. Um, super, super, super perfectionist. Um, and um, straight A student. Um, I definitely didn't learn friendship skills until older, until I was further along in life because my parents were so um, focused on achievement. Like I definitely had those parents where like straight A's were expected. Um, you know, in high school, I was on the varsity volleyball team. I danced, I ran track. Like it was like, how many achievements can you stack? How many AP courses can you take? Like how many, um, and again, I think that that came at the expense of, um, some of the, um, more rebellion. Um, so I can say that even though I still got very good grades in college, I made up for not being a rebellious teenager. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's my youth in a nutshell. Uh, okay. First off, you don't sound like a nerd at all. And we have so much freaking in common. I'm like, what? I feel like we were meant to be like BFFs forever. No, but listen, seriously. So I played varsity volleyball of literally from my freshman year, but I started on JV and then went up to varsity like midway through and then the rest hey. of, my, of my career. Okay. I was like student government president. I had all the AP courses, straight A student. I went to college with almost an associate's degree and I went to Florida State University and I rebelled. I joined a fraternity. I partied my butt off somehow still managed to get a degree and fit master's degree and i'm so grateful for the life that i had and i love that you have you had such a great life and i'm the oldest and i'll tell you i'm not upset at all at either of my siblings because i'm so grateful that i'm i'm, I'm not alone i don't know if i would ever want to be i'm too social i don't know if i would want to be an only child so then talk to me about your husband when did your husband and you meet? How did you guys meet? What's the love story there? Yeah, so I'm 21. It's my senior year of college. It's Valentine's Day. Uh, one of my friends throws a party and this really cute guy who I've never seen on campus walks up to me and says, um, what's a pretty girl like you doing without a date on Valentine's Day? And I was like trying to be all cool. So I was like, I'm not going for a line like that. And then Mac always likes to say 15 years later, married 10 years, three kids. <laughs> she absolutely did go for a line like that. And I did. Um, I mean, I, so I'm so lucky because I said I'm 35. I met my husband when I was 21 and I just knew. Um, so Mac actually, when we met, he was a football coach. Uh, uh, he had resigned y'all. He'd resigned from up and down. We never met. Um, cause I was a student there. He'd actually gotten a job at Bucknell and, um, a bunch of the seniors wanted him to go out with them like on his last night because he wasn't working at the university anymore. And I met him at a Valentine's Day party and he was like, you know, like we should stay in touch. And um, I never, um, I don't know. I didn't expect that I would like ever hear from this cute guy I met on Valentine's Day again. And then we just started talking on the phone, which was luckily a thing back in, uh, what was it, like 2008. Um, and I ended up going up and uh, and visiting him and falling in love and being a a coach's girlfriend and then a coach's wife and then spent the first decade of our marriage up and down the East coast while he um, coached football, which actually gave the opportunity for this nonlinear career path to uh, see a lot of different industries and then get into working in editorial remotely um, over a decade ago. And I mean, he is just, 
he's such a good person and he's such a good father and he really balances me out. Like we are like so many stereotypical reality show couples and I'm like the neurotic wife and he's just like the chill, like just like keeps the sanity of the family um, husband just and just such a good human. So thank you for asking me about him. <laughs> I love that though. I love that you're the neurotic wife. I like it. It's literally the cliche in like every reality television show that was so perfectly said like I even pictured you kind of like running around like trying to get the bows on the girls and like then he's just chilling on the couch like everything the good. difference like <laughs> Alexander the difference when either one of us packs a bag for a day out is like it's like I have like the snacks the backup snacks the backup backup snacks like the backup clothes the backup backup clothes and Max like he's like like we can buy whatever we need. Like, what? Why do you have backup snacks to backup snacks? And I'm like, have you met the girls when they're hungry? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so. You know what though? I think that there's like a little bit something extra in y'all's mind. I swear to God, and I'm not trying to like you know group everyone, but my wife, I swear to God, she thinks of everything. She's got the contingency plan set out. And I just bring the bare minimum because it's what I think that we need. And guess what? We make it through. It's just a better experience. <laughs> and my wife is the one who packs the bag. We still survive. It's just a better experience. So talk to me about dreams. As a little girl, what did you dream of becoming? What was the goal? What was the life mission? And how has that shifted now that you're 35, married, a mother, etc.? Oh, my gosh. So my mom actually saved all of these like ridiculous um, papers that I wrote when I was a kid. And my first ever career goal that I have is something where I said I wanted to grow up to be the president and a supermodel. And <laughs> if you want to learn more about me, the second paper she saved is one. It was like this thing in second grade. It was like, if I had three wishes from a genie, what would they be? And no joke. The first one was like, I would want food for the entire world so no one was hungry and the second one was, I would want books for the entire world so everyone could read. And the third wish is, I would want bikinis for the beach. <laughs> and I really, think, I really think that that's actually who I am as a 35-year-old woman. I still want to see the world <laughs> and literacy and go to the beach. I'm here for that so much. But the cool thing is this, is that even as a child, you know, 66% of your wishes you gave to others. And I actually think that's a pretty good balance. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you, there has to be a little bit of, we have to be learn to be selfless, 100%. That's the goal. But sometimes it's okay to be selfish. How have you found, obviously, it's so cute, the bikinis that, you know, feed the world, illiteracy, et cetera. I love it. But we can translate that into real life. How important is having that self-care? How important is, you know, making sure that you do kind of set aside some wishes for yourself and not just make things about everyone else? Absolutely. I mean, first of all, I love a good bikini, even though nowadays I'll probably say uh, like leggings are my jam, as Tamara knows from the Brexit Champions Consortium. I was like, be try it, girl. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say probably my greatest um, act of self-care is waking up in the morning and working out. Um, I have found true community through um, fitness um, communities on Instagram. It's actually something that made me really believe in Clubhouse because I've made best friends through social media um, 
before. Um, I discovered Tone It Up in 2017, and then Danielle Pacenti, um, probably in about 2020, was my first challenge with her, and I actually just started her Strong and Fall Challenge this morning. But, like, I even realized in starting a practice with champions, I was moving my workout all around. It's not working for me. And so I decided I've started waking up now at 4am so that I can lift before the room opens because literally that is what makes me happy. I like when the first 45 minutes of my day, the only person who I report to is myself. I'm not reporting to my husband. I'm not reporting to my kids. I'm not reporting to my clients. I'm not reporting to anyone. It's me. The only person pushing me is me. And that for me is like the ultimate self self care to say like, I love myself enough that I'm going to prioritize myself um, the very, very, very first thing in the morning. Um, so that's been super foundational for me. I, I love that. Sorry, I had a little loss of mic. I love that. So you wake up now at 4 a.m. just to lift weights. Um, I love that. And you found community. That's so interesting. How important is community to you? And what has community she's a beast. meant? Yeah, she is a beast. 4 a.m. I'm like shocked. I'm like, Lord Jesus, just to lift weights. I'm like, well, it's no wonder that you're so fit and healthy also because you make that a priority. And I love that that's your self care. But talk to me about community. How important has community been to you? And and you're right. What we have, what we can meet on Clubhouse, some of these people that I've never even spoken to in real life, only through Clubhouse, feel like some of my closest friends. You've built community on Instagram. You've built a huge community here on Clubhouse with some stellar human beings. How important has community been? And why, you know, why do you always build community? Thank you so much for that question. I mean, community is the thing. It's everything. Um, I really think that we can't go it alone in anything in this life. I think that that's um, such a sad way um, to live life. And I think it's Joy who always says um, that, you know, basically your loved ones, that they multiply your joys and they divide your grief, essentially, is what she says. And she's so right. Um, and I think that I. I experienced that. Um, I've met so many people um, in so many places who we celebrate together, we grieve together. I mean, I'm literally looking at my bestie, Brad Caldwell, who's two lines below me. And as many of you know, my my mom was in the hospital on Friday. She's doing great now. Um, but her surgery went on like hours longer than it was supposed to. And Brad was literally on the phone with me for like two and a half hours. And I got off the phone with Brad and Donna called me. And I met both of these people in January. And I just like, I, and Dr. Sean was texting me. Like I was like, I was so buoyed. Um, I think community is everything. And I think the one thing that I would say um, to anyone who's searching for that community. Actually, I'm going to say two things. The first thing I'm going to say is that it's not too late. So because we moved all around um, the country for my husband's job, I lost a lot of the community that I'd made in college because a lot of those people um, were all hanging out together after college. And I was in these like college towns and I my schedules revolved around football like 24 seven, 365. And so I couldn't be a show up person. And what I learned from that is the importance of being a show up person. So like the first thing I would say is that you can make community at any age. Like I said, I met Brad and Donna and basically this entire stage this year and you were all my people. I love you all so much. And we literally met now. It doesn't matter that I haven't known you since I was three years old. Um, and again, the second thing that I would say is you have to be a show up person in return. So like, as I said, like Brad, who I'm going to pick on again, um, who has just become like such a 
incredible life-changing friend in my life anytime that I see a text from Brad that something's up with him he knows I'm gonna pick up the phone and call him um and I'm probably gonna call him until he picks up and we talk about it so like you have to have that reciprocity for people in your life or else it it doesn't feel good it doesn't feel good um if um you're always showing up for someone and they don't you know give you that reciprocity so I think that you give of your heart and you don't expect it in return that's how you serve. And then you notice the people in your life who give that reciprocity back to you. And those people become your community because you all show up for each other. It's kind of like you couldn't throw a potluck with like one person. It's like everyone comes when they're able to, everyone shows up when they're able to, everyone, you know, extends that helping hand and it just grows and grows and grows and you pay it forward. And um, it's just a really special, special thing. I love that so much. So um, where do you think, where do you see Sarah and fam the next five, 10 years? Wow. Oh my gosh. That's so crazy to think about. So my first thought is about my kiddos and the fact that my girls will be 15 and 12. And anyone who knows my girls knows it's a good thing that Viv is going to be driving before Rhea. <laughs> my little one, she's wild. Brad knows. Um, gosh, where are we going to be in five or 10 years? You know, I really um, believe in Glenn's vision for Breakfast with Champions, that it's going to be this game-changing multimedia empire that's going to change the way that 7 billion people start their days. And I really believe that this group of moderators is going to be, you know, just renowned thought leaders who people can learn from. And I really believe in everything that we're going to build and everything that we're going to do um, in the next five to 10 years. And so I really think that, gosh, what do I picture? I picture let's just, let's just manifest this. I picture that I'm somewhere and someone, and I say breakfast with champions and literally anyone who I bet them to knows exactly what it is. It's in their AirPods if we're still doing that or whatever futuristic thing we're using to, to consume media, um, in the future. And people are like, Oh my gosh, breakfast with champions. I love breakfast with champions. Context. I just listened to this person. Um, yeah, whatever. If we're listening to it through our glasses or who knows what, right? Like I, or skateboards or whatever's happening in the future. Like I just her it being this movement that's impacted so many people and that, you know, I think now if I went to the grocery store, well, if I went to Brad's grocery store, everyone would listen to Breakfast with Champions, but at mine, not as many people do, but in the future, um, they will, and it will have made this massive impact. And, um, and so, yeah, I just picture my family being just as, as loving and happy 10 years in the future. And my girls, I don't know, they might be putting us through it as teenagers, but then yeah, professionally, I just can't wait to see where we go with breakfast with champions. Well, I mean, I definitely know that we're, we're going super, super far with breakfast of champions. I think that this is going to be something that everyone will definitely know uh, the, that name and our names and especially your name, Sarah, as someone Can who's brother dedicated get a name, to yourself. Man? Yeah, okay. and truly, Sarah, because you will be known as someone who can make miracles happen. You are a miracle worker, friend, and I'm truly, truly blessed to have had this opportunity to get to know you even more. And throughout all of this, knowing that not only have you overcome some of the biggest mountains that most people would never even imagine having to even deal with and not just to overcome but overcome as a married couple to be able to stay together through the toughest things that people can ever imagine and then on top of that to make promises that you keep and to create 
businesses and programming and culture and community that people want to be a part of, my friend, you are a superhuman, you are a superstar, and I'm beyond blessed that I get to call you my friend. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.